Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today, my friend, my co-host, Corey Walsh of For the Sword. How you doing, brother? Doing good. Long time no see, especially to the YouTube audience at, <laughs> at a late even, uh, late time in the evening. It really does feel like it's been like a million years since we got on here and recorded and in real time. It's been something like three, four weeks, but, you know, we've been off doing our own things and it's summer. I mean, it's the off season. There is a lot going on right now, you know, in the NBA landscape, especially with the Cavs. Uh, You know, we're here to talk about Summer League. But, Corey, I couldn't proceed any further (laughs) without making a little fun of ourselves right here and still using that uh, that played out intro now that has players that are no longer cavaliers what are your quick thoughts on that i think it's called consistency and consistency is what makes you better in the long run so you know to all the haters out there kick rocks (laughs) (laughs) but also if you think you can do better graphic design applications are open (laughs) they they most certainly are look dude dylan windler is still in that intro Jetty Osman, uh, Mamadi Diakite, Rahal Neto, Robin Lopez, all of these players who are no longer, are basically no longer Cavaliers, are are still in that intro. Some would call it a memoriam for those who we have lost on the way. Yes. You know, I don't know if you guys, any of you watching are Walking Dead fans, but they used to do like like a memoriam to the people that were lost every episode. And that's what that reminds me of. Damn. It's tough. More to watch that show, but Carl. All right. What? Now, what? now, Come on, bro. Oh, no, it's Carl. <laughs> that's 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 a whole nother thing. We have to talk about that off the air, but uh, man, there's a there's a lot to get into here. We haven't been on in a while. We've gotten now to we've we've had the time to watch Summer League in its entirety. Six Cavalier games, six and oh, in that during that streak, and they capped it off with the Summer League championship. That shit was awesome, man. Like, I don't know if I've ever been that excited for a summer league team. Like, going in, I knew that eyes would be on uh, Amani Bates. I knew that people, especially myself, I was really excited to see the progress that Luke Travers, Khalifa Diop, guys like that were making. And we were not disappointed, not in the slightest. This team was absolutely stacked. But, I mean, some some guys who showed out, you were not necessarily expecting to get per- just great performances from, yet that's what we got. Um, right off the bat, uh, I, I do have to ask you, because obviously Amani Bates dropped down to 49 for a reason. It wasn't just off-the-court issues. It was also basketball-related flaws. Um, he, he is coming in as somewhat of a flawed player himself, but I thought he handled himself pretty well at Summer League. Um during that first game, we kind of I think he took 18 shots, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was five of 18 in that first game. And you saw like the shot creation, it was definitely there. The ability to knock down a catch and two triple, that was there. But some of the shot selection issues also reared their ugly head, reared its ugly head. But in saying that, coming off of that game, it's almost like he internalized everything that went wrong. Maybe got coached up, but we saw a a pretty locked in Amani Bates. Um, you know, on the defensive end, that's kind of another story. Um, that's going to be sort of a work in progress. But what are your initial? What was your initial impression of Amani Bates after watching him in six summer league appearances? 
I definitely was impressed with his ability to become more contained, I feel like, as the games went along. Game one was horrifying, to say the least. Uh, I friend of the pod, Justin Rowan, put it the best I've heard in a time since we last recorded where he said that pretty much the guy who was passing the ball to Amani Bates was the shot selection <laughs> because uh, the minute it touched his fingertips, that ball was getting shot. It didn't no matter where he was on the court. It was no hesitation, no, no conscience whatsoever. And it was honestly horrifying. I was like, Oh dear God. What are it the was Cavaliers? That- I was like, what did the Cavs get themselves into? Because th- that is not at all going to work with the team that the Cavs currently have constructed. They are very pretty methodical with their ball movement, and that was the exact opposite. So, But every game moving onward, I think you have to give credit to the coaching staff and Amani himself because the I, I don't think I've seen a player improve and change their mentality that drastically through the remaining five games of summer league. And overall, like I knew Amani could shoot. I mean, his release is definitely NBA caliber. The form is there. It's quick. It's a catch and shoot in the making, but there was other things with Bates that were the flags as to why he might not see the court. It seemed like he was a little tunnel vision esque with the ball his defense was a huge question mark. He's not necessarily the most athletic guy that you would hope at that size. He doesn't really like to get to the cup at all. If he sees a guy bigger than him in front of him, it's pretty rare. He's going to put his shoulder down and try to at least get the foul. Mm -hmm. I I feel like as the games went along, you were seeing more backdoor cuts, more uh, defensive effort. He was moving in rotations. Well, he was doing unselfish plays. He was looking for the open guy, not even necessarily the assist, but the hockey assist, the pass to the assist. So overall, I thought Amani was really good. Um, that being said, I think there's a lot of discourse out there of how, based on summer league, he could already be on the uh, 15-man roster. I still feel like a two-way is probably the best route for him to go. Not only because everyone's going to say he needs to still like learn an NBA style offense. Cause it's 11 days in summer league. Let's like, let's pump the brakes. The playbook has <laughs> fully like unloaded onto him. He definitely, you get trickles of it and it just benefits players who are already in the system. Cause they don't need to learn on the fly, but what reps with the charge along with the minutes he'll get with the charge, because we, we all know JB Bickerstaff it would not give Amani Bates that big of a chunk of minutes. If he, they converted his contract. He has a very short leash for players who defensively struggle, AKA uh, in memoriam, Jetty Osmond. Jetty. And uh, Bates is a much worse defender than Jetty is, even though Jetty was not by any means a good defender. Bates still has a lot to learn and get him getting thrust into an NBA style offense as a defender. That would just be a disaster. I I think he just needs more time in the oven. And I think within the next few years, he easily could be an NBA rotational player, maybe a starter, but that's like the ceiling for Bates. But I don't think it's a bad thing to say that he isn't going to be an NBA player this year. 
Amani Bates took 82 total shots over that six-game stretch. And, Corey, the crazy thing about it is that over half of them, precisely 45, were triples, if that tells you anything. This man, in six games, took 45 triples. And I think 15 of them were in game one. Sheesh. I mean, this motherfucker, he took – I mean, anytime you put it – the correct way. Anytime he got the ball, he was a threat to just let it fly. And I mean, I can't lie. I mean, he went 18 of 45. So he did convert over 40% of these shots. And some of them were pretty damn impressive. I'm not going to lie. Like the shot selection still probably going to creep its, uh, you know, creep its head up sometimes. But for the most part, I did like what I saw in that regard. Like his ability to rise up over a defender and knock down a triple is phenomenal. Um, that's one of those skills I feel like can carry over to any level of the game. Shooting, in my opinion, can carry. And, you know, that that's kind of con- consistent with another guy that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but that three ball is live. Um, there are other concerns, though. Like, it is a little bit alarming that we did not see him average <laughs> at least three assists, at least two to three assists, uh, with how much he had the ball in his hands. Um I don't I necessarily little... know if that's a knock, against, a knock against him, though. I feel like the way that the Cavs were running their summer league offense, it mm-hmm. seemed like the movement was primarily through the guards and Isaiah Mobley and Travers, I think, were like their four main ball handlers. I don't think they really gave Bates many situations in which he was expected to look for anything else than his shot unless it was there. I think most of his assists were honestly in transition, or if he was cutting to the basket and then kicking it back out when it, a bigger defender stepped up. So I wouldn't I think that's knock Bates for that. I mean, I'm not going to knock him too much, but it, you got to, I mean, dude, if you're taking like 80 plus shots, you can't tell me that the ball ate in your hands at least enough to, to make some plays. But again, that's not all on him. That is definitely not all on him. Guys have to finish plays as well. Um, when I'm thinking about the ball movement that he had, he had a very slick feed to Luke Travers. Um, you know, I think not, it wasn't a hockey assist, but it was definitely one that made me think, Hey, this guy can actually pass the ball. Um, the skill set is there. Um, at while he was at Eastern Michigan, you couldn't tell. I mean, he had more turnovers than assists, but that's not necessarily the greatest indicator on whether or not a guy can make plays for others. I mean, summer league is not always a great environment for that. Um, but in my opinion, the shots live, I think that is something that can definitely carry over to the NBA level. And we all know, you know, his, he's not going to be able to, he's not going to be afforded the same level of offensive freedom that he got while he was at Eastern Michigan. Um, not going to have a usage rate north of 30% like he did there. Um, it's just going to be catch and shoot. If he's able to get on the court at any point during his rookie season, it's going to be based off the fact of his his ability to knock down the three ball. Um, I don't see it happening this year. Um, If it does, I I mean, I wouldn't be pissed, but the Cavs are in a position now where they have a lot more depth, at least in my opinion, than they did last year. And if you're like, if you're counting on Imani Bates to immediately step in, Probably not the smartest thing to, uh, you know, probably not the greatest thing to, to, to rush this kid in because there are real basketball flaws. He's got uh, his perimeter defense definitely needs some work. Um, 
I know he hit that. Um, I don't know if you recall, but I know he hit a pretty big triple, and I think it was against Brooklyn, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Um, it, um, no, it was yeah in the semifinals. Yeah. Yes, I think he he dropped the three ball against Brooklyn and then immediately gave up some points on the other end. Um, it's it's things like that. Like he he's definitely got some work to do on the defensive end. Um, although his length, I think, definitely will will aid him in that. What do you think he projects as positionally? Is he a, is he a three? Is he a two? I think four? he has the skill set of a three, but the, unfortunately for him, he has the body of a two because I think defensively he wouldn't probably be able to stay in front of most NBA style threes. I think it's there's a lot of athleticism at the three position these days. I would say if he was guarding players like Duncan Robinson, I wouldn't be too concerned. But unfortunately, not everyone is just hunting the perimeter and then cutting occasionally. I can't imagine situations like him going to defend against like a Paul George type, especially with the way his body is right now. I don't think even with NBA weight training and dieting, he's going to like overnight turn into this behemoth of a man <laughs> with broad shoulders. And what I don't think that's what his frame is going to be. But I, I do think he does – his NBA skill set isn't also just relegated to catch and shoot. I think you saw in summer league he definitely displays some version of a handle to allow him to create separation. So he could be an ISO scorer as well. Unfortunately for defenses, of that threat of him not also willing to kick it out isn't there. They're just going to just – they're not going to they, – they'll send multiple defenders at him at once just to throw him off. Because they know he's not going to like immediately read the defender double teaming, so Bates definitely has a lot to learn. He needs to mature more as a player. I think I'm not saying he's an immature player, <laughs> but I also wouldn't go out and say like, "Oh, he's so right." Like if he was on a, a team with less talent than Cleveland, I still wouldn't necessarily want him to get run either. Like if he was on a Dame Dame Lillard less Portland. I still mm-hmm. wouldn't prefer him to be in that environment. I think he needs coaches like on him all the time without, without the consequence of like the day to day of being an NBA player where if he has a bad game, people are going to talk about it because he is high profile enough to where every summer league broadcast, like no matter how well everyone else was playing, the talk was about Imani Bates. I mean, he was the number one player in high school at one point. He was a Sports Illustrated cover athlete. Like, people are going to follow him wherever. And if his career notably starts out bad in the NBA, I feel like that's something that could really, like, just ruin, like, the trajectory of what he had could possibly be as a player. Do you think he would have went in the first round if he didn't have the off-the-court issues? Um, I think, but I think it was a combination of off the court and just college didn't really work out well for him. I partly blame Memphis for that along with how his off the court stuff went. I mean, you can just tell in summer league, that guy is not a point guard. And the <laughs> fact that they were running him out at point just because of like pure necessity. Cause at the time I think Memphis was, had a really good class. So they were kind of like, how do we get the best five players out on the floor? And they looked at Bates. I don't know what they saw that indicated to them this guy needs to operate our offense and be the guy looking to feed others but i didn't see any of that in summer league 
Yeah. Um, personally, if I think if he didn't have the off the court issues, he had enough basketball flaws to probably be a late first rounder. I know that might sound blasphemous. So people, if you're going to come at me in the comments, I totally understand it. But just now seeing the tape that he put on uh, with Eastern Michigan, I think that's fair to say. Um, he obviously has high offensive upside, but he's a work in progress. And I think that's the best place to leave it at. I think he needs time with the charge. Season up a bit. Don't rush them. Um, the Cavs are could potentially end up with the steal of the draft, or at least one of the best 10 picks in the draft, in my opinion. But don't rush it. Take the time. Let the kid develop. And you could have a really, really good wing on your hands uh, within the next one to two, maybe even three years. That said, man, there is one player that I uh, that I feel – probably deserves an opportunity at the big league level. And and actually there's two, but the first one that I'll touch on is none other than Sam Merrill. Now, the funny thing about Sam Merrill, who I believe dropped 25 threes this summer league, which is insane. The, the man was an absolute flamethrower on it. Obviously it was not his first time around the block. Been here before. I think Merrill is going into his age 27 season. But based off of what you saw from him during Summer League action, was there enough there? Because we know we have to take everything that we see in Summer League with a massive grain of salt. Did you see enough from him during Summer League action to warrant a real chance at rotation minutes? I think Summer League was like the answer for Sam Merrill was already apparent because I think G League play is more representative of NBA level play than uh, Summer League is. Absolutely. And Merrill excelled at the G League level, which is what earned him a spot on the Cavs last season. And he excelled in summer league. The thing I, that I can tell they were really kind of see, trying to see with Merrill is if he could operate as the primary ball handler, you know, get some secondary and tertiary skill sets. So he's not just purely a shooter. And I mean, Merrill's ability to shoot, regardless of the difficulty of the shot in front of him, definitely stood out in summer league. It's probably what earned him along with shooting near 50% from three in summer league on 10 plus yes. shots. I mean, the, the guy lit up Vegas. I'm surprised he didn't put his face on that electronic dome. Cause that guy was a spectacle to say the least. Uh, I was kind of, I, I was pleased with Merrill. Unfortunately for Merrill, if, this was the Cavaliers team last season, and we saw mm-hmm. this from Sam Merrill. There was no excuse as to why he shouldn't get minutes because he does bring something that that team didn't have, which was perimeter shooting at volume. And uh, unfortunately for Sam Merrill, the Cavs realized that was one of their main flaws in free agency <laughs> when that was the only skill set they truly went, at, went after with Max Struess, Niang, and Ty Jerome even. Uh, I think Merrill definitely will get some time with the Cavs this year. I just think it's going to be much more situational than people might think. Uh, but I wouldn't be discouraged that you're never going to see Merrill. Like it's not going to be like last year where we're beating the Pistons by like 20 points. And then it's like with a minute and a half left, like, Oh my God, Sam Merrill's in. <laughs> it's going to be pretty, it will happen much more frequently when it actually matters. I don't think he's going to be a garbage time player. I was telling Mac before the pod, I think uh, Merrill is going to be repre- like more like when we would send Lamar or Howell Neto in when 
you obviously the game plan that they laid out ahead wasn't working so they wanted to add something different to the mix kind of like a change of pace kind of thing yeah and Merrill's active enough off the ball that he's able to hunt for his own shot I don't think it would disrupt what the the two main guards with Darius and Donovan would try to do so he can be complimentary it's not that he's even a fit issue it's just more that there's more money now invested in other players that could possibly limit the amount of time we see for Merrill I mean we we joke about the amount of shots that Amani Bates took in six games in five games Sam Merrill took over 68 shots but the craziest thing is that guess what Corey 56 of those 68 shot attempts were from three-point range. And the amazing thing about that is this man literally knocked down over 44.6% of those shots. Like 25 of 56 is pretty damn good. And like the difficulty of a lot of them, uh, because there were some that he got fouled on, which is pretty awesome to see. Um, The movement shooting that he provides – you can't tell me that the Cavs couldn't use that at some capacity, but unfortunately, as you pointed out, the additions of Struess, who does basically the same thing, but a much, much, uh, a, a much more proven track record behind it, and obviously a lot more money <laughs> uh, that the Cavs shelled out to get him. So Struess is virtually locked into the rotation. Uh, Niang uh, basically probably going to be a part of the rotation, but plays a different position, so it's a little bit different. So if what would you say it would be his biggest avenue into actually getting real rotation minutes? Like what would have to happen in order for him to get in outside of like a situational thing? Um, I think it would have to be certain players for like true minutes, like Like a a real rotation. Yeah. Like a real rotation rule. What would have to happen for him to be able to do that? Is it only injury? I think injury might be the only avenue as of right now, but I think he'll definitely be suiting up and playing games more often than he's not. It just won't be for extended minutes. Like I think some people are expecting coming off summer league and it's not Sam Merrill is too good for He's in a weird spot because he's too good for G league. He's too good for summer league and he's good enough to be in the NBA. Unfortunately, now the team that he's tied to doesn't necessarily <laughs> the team needed his skills last year. We're hoping to develop him into this year. And in that same stretch, they invested all of their free agency money in his skill set. So, it's it's a tough situation. If anything, he should have value enough to where if they feel like they can move him, they would. But I mean, I don't. I think that's yeah. just way too early to say. I think he'll definitely get some run though, and it will definitely be useful. I mean, it, it is kind of like the Lamar Stevens situation, as you pointed out. Lamar appeared in sixty-two games last year, but he was not anywhere near like he should never have been considered a rotation player. But he did mm-hmm. appear in sixty-two games. He averaged eighteen point one minutes in those games, and he did make twenty-five starts due to like mostly injury. Uh, but Merrill is much deeper down the uh, down the rotational order that Lamar was last season. So uh, in terms of actually being able to get a shot with, with all the players in front of him. Um, and you never I, can count, you can also count for rest too, because we all yeah. know rest is a part of the league and there's going to be games where DG and Donovan don't play. And that automatically moves the pecking order up. So there will be games where we can see Merrill probably get 20 plus minutes. It just won't be in the context. I think some people want like 
game three of round one of the Eastern Conference playoffs. You're not going to probably see Sam Merrill take off his jumper <laughs> and hop into the game unless we desperately need to break glass in case of emergency on perimeter shooting. I mean, Hal Nettle made 48 appearances last year. Uh, granted, a lot of that was before Ricky came back. But, you know, there there is definitely an opportunity for the guy to eventually see some game time minutes with the big league level. Um, Merrill wasn't the only guy to kind of light it up, though, and, and, and really showcase his skill set. Another one that I would like to discuss is Isaiah Mobley. Um, obviously, Mobley had a really really good season just like Merrill did at the G League level the season prior um we know kind of what his skill set is and and being able to watch him with the G League and then his showing him his same skill set during summer league action the guy can rebound um he has pretty good vision for his size and he's a pretty good interior scorer but the one thing that I think we were all looking forward to in terms of his development was whether or not he could consistently space the floor um what were your what were your initial thoughts on Isaiah Mobley like now that you're now that you're able to take all that action in do you believe that he put on did he put enough on tape to be able to say hey I deserve a real shot I think based on he's in the best position of the summer league standouts and that's not only because of how he performed, but that's because of the needs the Cavs have. And a backup five is definitely a position that even though they traded for Damian Jones, I, they really just kind of took a flyer on him. I don't think they're yeah. like 100% invested. I think there's a, a pathway for Isaiah to definitely get that backup five minutes. And if, it, if they're going to repeat like last year, the way their rotation worked, it wasn't like we were seeing Rolo like a shit ton of time. <laughs> so it might make sense for them to kind of take that swing on Mobley as they can kind of mold him into the player they want out of their backup five. Um, in regards to him stretching the floor, <laughs> uh, that's like the one thing he really didn't do, exactly. I would say. But I do think he hit important shots from the perimeter, which was something that is notable because Kyle's too. I mean, he was excellent, especially in the championship game. And in, I think the first game he had a ton of free throws, but I can't remember. It was the first. Oh, I'm not even just talking about the free throws in particular. I'm talking about the, the free throws that he was able to draw out in the perimeter. To be oh, no, yeah. He definitely – he has a gravity to him. I don't know if that gravity will stick with him at the NBA level. I don't know if that's just guys in the G League trying to stick to their assignment and you don't want to kind of put on your tape that you're <laughs> disrespecting a player, but I think he doesn't have an outside shot and then he just sinks it in your face. Um, Mobley's two big questions for me leaving Summer League are is that perimeter shot something that they could work on because – Frankly, his younger brother has just as effective as a perimeter shot as he does. And uh, the defensive end, which is something that his brother has in spades, that covers up for his offensive limitations at times. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah's defense, I, I feel like I couldn't really get an honest read on it, especially in that championship game. I mean, the Rockets were running no center pretty much the whole time and Mobley, to his credit, was eating up the offensive boards as they came, most times on his misses at the rim as well. But I don't know if I really learned what he'll be like when there's another NBA-built center in front of him. 
I don't know if he has the strength necessarily to box them out. I mean, you wouldn't expect his brother to either. But Mobley also offensively, I feel like he operated. It was interesting because if the Cavs really were trying to see what they had in him and if he would fit with their roster this upcoming season, I feel like they didn't operate him in the way that they probably should have. It felt like at times he was mostly a hub. Mm-hmm. where they had him at the elbow and he was kind of just deciding how the offense was going to go, whether he was going to try to attack the rim, which he did very well, or he was going to try to kick it out or get other players going on moving pick hand dribble handoffs. And I, uh, I think the most similar offensive style they had was the two man pick and roll that him and Merrill, that was pretty much the bread and butter of the Cavs summer league offense. And they, it was kind of like, the the coaching staff saying hey this is what our main offense is going to be until you stop it we're just going to keep running it i mean it felt if you like a stat track it for how many possessions they ran it it felt like it was when the two of them were on the floor it was 60 percent or more of possessions started with that uh sequence and i feel like that's the closest thing that the Cavs will do with him is probably have like some combination of their guards operating a pick and roll because that's also the Cavs' main offense, yeah. it feels like at times. So he seems like he can thrive in those situations, which kind of makes me think that he would be a better fit than what Damian Jones is, <laughs> especially because Damian Jones is one of those players where when you look at the opposing team that you get the player from, you kind of want to see their reaction to the player leaving. And if it's like a, like a sad reaction or an angry reaction at the GMs, they were very happy to see Damian Jones go. <laughs> so that's not a good sign, to say the least. Uh, and I, I honestly think this team wants Isaiah Mobley to thrive. And I think he has the best roadmap to being his two-way being converted in training camp. Based off of what you see, what would you say his best skill set is right now? Because, again, he like the, the spacing was not there. He only drilled, I, I believe, 4 of 16 during summer league action, which equates to roughly 25% from three-point range. Um, but he did average like four and a half assists uh, over 17 points and was able to pull down 8.3 rebounds. Um, what is his best skill right now? I think he has the mind of an NBA player. I think he makes smart decisions. It's very, I think he's very good at knowing what he's good at. I don't think in summer league, he was like one of those players trying to experiment with different skills to add to his bag. I didn't, I think the only crime that Isaiah Mobley had was that he pulled a spin move once a game that just had his handle exposed where he would dribble it with his like wide ass wingspan, it would get plucked. I feel like every time at the elbow, but for the most part, like he definitely knows what he's good at. He makes good reads. I felt good with him bringing the ball up in transition. He made good looks. He doesn't have a bad handle when he's not isoing someone. Like he's definitely capable of running a fast break. I think like his brother. I also just feel like there's. I I think defensively it's there. I think that perimeter shot needs to get better or else it kind of will hurt the level of impact he would bring as a second big. You don't want him to be relegated to rim running because if he can get past his man and then make a good decision because of the gravity he has as a shooter on the perimeter, that will open up a lot for him because he's not going to be an offensive hub. And he was very comfortable in it. I think he ran the same system at USC 
but that's not what the Cavaliers. They're not going to be like, all right, guys, we have two all stars on the floor. We got to run Isaiah Mobley Cook. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what Isaiah's got in his bag. That's not what they're going to do for him. So he's yeah. got to figure it out. And that's no slight against Isaiah. It's just knowing the the what you have at your disposal and knowing what potential role that you could potentially be walking into. Now Isaiah again, like the spacing. We did not get to see that. Uh, he he was much better at the G, G League level at that, particularly last year. I think he shot a, a, at least 35% from range, uh, but 25% during summer league and only, only only 16 attempts ain't really showing you that he uh, he's made progression. Way to knock area. down those four, buddy. Um, do you think that is the one thing that's holding him back? Like right now, if you just had to nail it, do you think that's the one thing that could prohibit him from seeing game time this year with the Cavs? I think the, I don't think his defense was anything that jumped off the page either. And I feel like with what the Cavs need out of their bigs, I mean, they run smaller lineups outside of their two bigs. So you really need to shore up that defensive end. I think that's the one part of Damian Jones's game that looked decent not even saying it looked great, uh, but I think that they definitely want their backup big to be more defensively oriented. Try to kind of shadow what Jared Allen does. All you need, all you need to do with these guards is just run a good pick and roll. I I, he, I would say pick and pop, but that's not going to happen with Isaiah Mobley. So it's got to be the pick and roll, and you just got to make good defensive effort. And that will shore up your role as the backup five for this season. And I think Isaiah has a better chance of that than Damian Jones. <laughs> Does Dean Wade factor in at all at backup five, like small ball? I don't think so. I think if you put Dean by the basket, that kind of takes away from the fact he's a decent perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. And that's one of his strengths. It's that he is... I, I would say he's still a good three-point shooter. I'm not going to let last season kind of <laughs> discourage that. But I, I don't think Dean would really benefit from playing the five. Never mind the Cavs benefit from Dean playing the five. I think <laughs> Dean would not thrive in that role whatsoever. That would probably hurt him as far as you know, giving him confidence back after a pretty uh, disappointing year last year injury notwithstanding but i mean still dean even in a pretty disappointing year still shot 35.4 percent from range so he can at the very least we know he can space the floor teams will have to pay pay a little bit more attention to him than they would have to with damian jones and uh isaiah mobley at this point so i don't know i i'm really pulling for him i mean obviously we want him to when when they first acquired him, I didn't want it to be like, oh, they're just trying to appease Evan <laughs> and go the Giannis route here. I really want the guy to actually step out there and be able to provide on court as well, and not just be like a a, a glorified cheerleader out there and and, and keeping Evan happy. Uh, but based off his play, I think it's coming. Um, if he can figure out that three point shot, I think he'll uh, he'll end up being in the rotation sooner rather than later. Um, another player, man, that I know we were all very, very excited to see, um, you know, because he's not here yet, uh, was Luke Travers. Kobe um, Fujiyama. Oh, sorry. No, you go. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to the big man. In a oh, minute, we don't but, need to. <laughs> uh, but Luke, um, dude just looked like an absolute glue guy out there. Like the very definition of a glue guy. Do you think that the Cavs saw anything because i feel like we saw a lot of these same things last year with luke 
Um, I think the NBL has obviously done him well in him playing at a higher level of competition than a lot of these guys out here at Summer League typically do. Uh, but did you like what you saw out of Luke? Yeah, game one was definitely his best game. Uh, it kind of made you think like, whoa, what happened to Luke Traver is over a year. This guy looks incredible. His offensive game looked a lot better. And then as it kind of went along, it felt like his game kind of regressed back to what we knew already, which was that he's a good defender. He has a good like good vision. He usually finds the open guy. I mean, he was a defensive force in this summer league. Really like was. it was very impressive. He was able to hold his matchups the whole time. I did, I very rarely saw him struggle on possessions. Um, the, it just comes down to the feel for offense. I mean, his shot, I still am confident it's not there at volume. Of, it, of his game was like 70% offensively of what it was in game one. I would be like, you got to sign this guy over right now. <laughs> Like, I don't care if he's, like, the 14th or 15th guy. Just get him on the roster. Buy his but. contract out from Perth, yeah, and get but him it, over here. It only makes sense to have him kind of still grow in the NBL because he needs to work on that shot. And he has so many of the other tangibles knocked down. But, unfortunately, the last thing this Cavaliers team still needs are players that are good at 90% of things but have no – shot whatsoever i mean that's kind of what holds certain nba players in general from remaining in the league i mean there's a ton of players that could be what luke travers is right now that are just kind of (laughs) on trial contracts right now i mean for dante exum's a great example the dude was just out of the league and then after playing outside the country he's back in again but he also was one of those players he's good at a lot of things he just wasn't a good shooter and if you can't do that in today's NBA, you're you're kind of replaceable, unfortunately. It's man, Luke gave us like one of the most interesting stat lines on the squad this year. Like seven and a half points, pulled down six rebounds, dished out two steals. And at six seven, this man was averaging two point one blocks. <laughs> like, like some of the blocks he had, they were very impressive. Like and some of the clearly, goaltends that weren't goaltends were also hero- ferocious. Yeah. Um, clearly Luke has it on the defensive end, at least in my opinion. I feel like this man can play. He's a very, very underrated defender. Um, you wouldn't be able to tell based like looking at him. (laughs) He just doesn't look like it. He does not look like an athlete at all. Uh, But I mean, that's just don't judge a book by its cover because he looked very like literally could do everything else out there, but shoot. And so he's got, a lot of work to do. I think, I don't know if that's ever going to come around, um, but we hope, I mean, the overall field goal percentage from summer league 48.7, but he only shot 25% from range and there was not a ton of volume there either. He only took two threes a game. Um, So sadly, I don't think we're going to see Luke anytime soon, but the other international prospect that that Cleveland drafted last year didn't fare any better, but it was to be expected because Summer League is notoriously not kind to traditional big uh, traditional big men, and you all know who we're referring to, Khalifa Jop. Corey, um, in his limited action, because he did have a uh, an engagement that he had to go back and, and attend to, and he did, couldn't suit up for all of Summer League, so I think he only played in three, four games, maybe? I think it was three. Did you like any of what you saw from Jop? No. 
<laughs> if I'm being honest. It's just simply a simplistic no. Nothing. I just I nothing I, at all, Corey. I gotta be honest with you, Mac. I don't see it. I know you love this guy. I just <laughs> I don't see it. I feel like there are many possessions where his man would feed him and uh-huh. the dude had hands of stone and would drop <laughs> easy passes in his lap. And I'm tired of the excuse that the pass was so good that he wasn't expecting it. He I feel it. like it was telegraphed to him. You're boxing out your man <laughs> under the basket and you don't think you're going to receive the ball. But anyway, I also feel like he kind of got a rough go of it. That dude had more collisions with his teammates than I think any man in summer league. And he only played for three games. The amount of injuries he almost yeah. caused to his own teammates was absurd. <laughs> It was definitely not a good showing for him, and that's to say the least. I did like some of uh, like I feel like he has real vision, like for his size. Oh, he, he that dude some- he he throws he passes the ball like he's a quarterback back there. He like palms it, hucks it back, <laughs> and like throws a piss missile at his players. Intro. I've never seen freaking outlet passes thrown over the top like the way Dop Jop was throwing the ball around. It was hilarious. Yeah, um, in three games, Jop averaged four points, uh, about about eight rebounds, and a little under two assists. So, it, it, summer league is usually not kind for traditional bigs, but it just like from a visual standpoint, it was not aesthetically pleasing. Like, some Mac, I need your positivity. Sell me on Khalifa Jop at all because <laughs> I am so out. I would sell all my stock at the pennies that they're worth. I think if you get him in an environment that is not solely because we know like typically summer league is a I, 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 me, me, me type of game, like where guys are trying to show out and it is heavily geared towards scoring wings and guards. It's not really a big man's game uh, to begin with, but I have to admit that it was not <laughs> aesthetically <laughs> pleasing because some of the collisions that he had, um, he clearly still needs some polish. I think he could actually benefit more from being at like in the G League than being overseas, in my opinion. But obviously, the Cavs are not going that route. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot. There really was not a lot of tape for Job. I mean, so there's not a lot that we can really sit here and, and judge based off the three games because I mean, he only played a grand total of 52 minutes. Yeah, when uh, Game Four rolled around and they played uh, Isaiah at the five, I was mm-hmm. like, oh. I didn't know they shipped him. Uh, I didn't know he went back for obligations. And I was like, yeah. oh, they benched him? Like, that's kind of whack. But makes sense. And they're like, oh, he had to leave for an obligation. I'm like, oh, I still would have <laughs> probably benched him, honestly. Corey would have kicked him off the team if he had the opportunity. I'd be like, Khalifa, thanks for coming. How much was your ticket? I'll cover it. All right, see ya. Yeah, he would have shipped his ass out. Um, and then we get to one of our um, – one of our biggest surprises of summer league action. And that is (laughs) the disrespect. I liked Pete though. We're going to talk about Pete a little bit before we close out. Um, Craig Porter jr. By far, in my opinion, the biggest surprise of this calf summer league team. Um, He has the experience uh, being, I think 23, 22, 23 right now played for at least four to five seasons of collegiate basketball, some at the Juco level, some at the Wichita state, uh, you know, at at Wichita state rather. And he looked very, very polished out there. He's another guy who didn't necessarily shoot the ball really well, especially from range, but 
did everything else very, very well, and especially rebound the basketball. Corey, I know that there are like deferring points of view, like when you're talking about Craig Porter Jr. and his NBA readiness based upon just six games of summer league action, but based upon the tape, based on what you saw, just the eye test, not stats. Tell me a little bit about what you thought of Craig Porter Jr. I think Craig Porter Jr. checks every box, and he has enough in his shooting bag that I think the shot's there. It's just one of those things that with reps, he'll become a better shooter. Mm -hmm. Um, He is super athletic. He has a very tight handle. His ability. His bounce is insane for a guy's height, which is displayed by the rebounds he's able to pull over guys who are five, six inches taller than him. And the dude's just an energizer bunny on the floor. I mean, he can run up and down for miles, and he's really good with his dribble uh, containing it and also switching gears as he goes further in from the perimeter. I, I personally really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people also did. I think he's more technical than I would have expected a player to be who played in college that long, um, especially when he has as much athleticism as he does. You don't usually see that combination of technicality with athleticism. Mm-hmm. Usually yeah. college players usually have one or the other, and that's what kind of allures you to them, If they're especially when they fall out of the draft entirely, like, it kind of astounds me that he didn't make it into the top 60. Was um, it the age? Do you think it was the age? I think age, yeah. But in this, even the second in round, height. I feel like, okay, first off, let's not discriminate on height here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Craig Porter Jr. is clearly taller than probably at least me. I'm not. Craig's uh, only 6'2", but I mean. It's very nice of you to think I could be taller than 6'2". Uh, no. Uh, 5'11", <laughs> gang. Let's rise. I'm right there, bro. We right there. <laughs> um, I'm like IT on a good day. We uh, in here, bro. We in here. You could be 5'8", one day. You could be 5'11", another. <laughs> it could be a great day. Uh, yeah, no, Craig's great. I think Craig Porter Jr. definitely, I mean, I've been arguing with friend of the pod, Tony Peston, who's the president of the Craig Porter Jr. fan club. I think because Tony has more followers than me by 10,000 miles, he's going to get the acclaim as the Craig Porter Jr. president. But, you know, we could try. Uh, Craig, definitely, I think the roadmap for him is very interesting. I think camp is going to be very interesting for him. Yes. Because um, I'm in the belief, I know Mac disagrees, but I think if the Cavs see – a situation in which all last season was dedicated to Ricky Rubio rehabilitating from his injury. And I was, I think it certainly is a valid case that last season was a glorified rehab for him. I'm not going to use it as should we have Ricky Rubio stay around going forward. But mm-hmm. I think if this team sees in camp that Ricky is not looking the way that they want him to, it it would definitely put them in an interesting situation because Ricky's name value is enough that a team that is looking for a guard that hasn't seen him physically play against other teams yet thinks maybe he has some of the juice back. That is a, a name that they could offload, free up some money, and also get out of that contract while also bringing in Craig Porter Jr. But it's also interesting for Porter Jr. because – 
the Cavs, especially now with the contracts that they doled out with the looming Mobley extension that's probably coming, a Coro's extension that's going to come at some point. If they a lot of money that, that could potentially be on the books for sure. With this whole second apron thing, I mean, it's going to be really tricky for when teams decide to activate these two-way contracts. I mean, you could – I don't know if Rubio is going to – be the seventh man off the bench he might be more than ninth or tenth man off the bench this season even if he looks good because i think there's just a lot of guards i think rubio offensively is kind of limited and that's not what this team necessarily needs on the floor right now especially if they're going to run two bigs that also are offensively limited you can't really have three non-shooters on the floor and um i think porter jr even on the two-way will play a decent amount of games. He'll provide something different that Rubio doesn't, so at least you can give a fresh look to the offense. And he does enough outside of primary point guard duties that it's a, a really big perk for this team. It feels like, in a way, they kind of found a Bruce Brown-esque player, one of those guys that checks all the boxes. I, I saw people compare him to Dinwiddie. I, for some reason, lean more towards the Bruce Brown build. But I definitely see offensively where they get the Dinwiddie comps from. I mean, there's a lot of names you could throw out there. I know that he had at once really kind of tried to model his game after Rajon Rondo. And I definitely see it based on like just the style of play here um, at six, two, it's just fucking amazing that this man pulled down 7.3 rebounds a game. He did in college league. too. It was crazy. If you ever watch his highlights, yeah. they're insane. Uh, dude's athleticism is off the chart. So he does like, you can see some Westbrook in there. You can see some Rondo in there in regards to his all around game, because these guys have pretty good, damn good vision. Um, obviously Rondo and, and, and Westbrook, you know, in their heydays and, and still to a lesser degree, Russell Westbrook is still getting the job done in that regard. But for me, it's like Craig Porter jr. As much as I loved everything that I saw out of him, he has like quite an uphill battle to climb because not only do the Cavs feature a damn good starting backcourt and Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, you have to figure that Karis LeVert could still see some minutes at either guard position during points of the year. Um, um, you, you just signed Ty Jerome and he may figure in here somewhere if Ricky Rubio struggles. And I know you kind of said that I disagree in this regard and, um, to, to, to kind of shed some light on that for me, like while I do believe that Ricky had one of the shittiest years last year, I do think a lot of that was more so because of him literally coming back mid season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember. Was it January, or February that he made his return? I think it was February. It was, I want to say, I know it was right I know around it was the all-star game. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it was against the Blazers. I just can't remember if, if it was February. How or, dare you not know the time, the place, the date, <laughs> where the sun uh, was and its axis? I know. Shame on me. Uh, for me, it's just like, um, you know, I think that him coming in midseason definitely hurt him in regard to fitting in with the new look Cavs. Um, no more Lowry. No, Not really Kevin Love playing a role on the team anymore. We don't um, that up. You know, things <laughs> – uh, just a, a landscape that he he needed to adjust to. And I think that with a full offseason of work, if he is motivated, I think you could definitely see a much better Ricky. Now, what does that look like? I don't know because we, we know that Ricky has never truly been a great shooter. And even in the 2021-22, um, the before he got injured, the stats are mighty deceiving. 
Uh, the eye know. test does not do service to the numbers. Uh, yeah, so the efficiency is definitely not there. It's never really been there, but his impact on the game was definitely apparent. Um, a lot of that was due to the Cavs having Lowry in love and Jetty playing pretty good uh, at, at a certain level and him bringing the best out of those guys. Um, but the Cavs didn't have very many shooters last year. And so Ricky's main skill set, his ability to play make just wasn't able to be fully utilized, especially with their bench players that he, when he saw the court with them. Um, I truly believe Ricky will probably get the first crack at the primary backup point guard position. Now, does that mean, like you said, that he's like the sixth or seventh guy out there? No, you don't have to do that because fortunately, and this is what I love about Karis LeVert. Karis is like one of the most versatile players that the Cavs have. He can give you minutes at the two, the three, and he can uh, he can give you minutes at the one when you need him to. There I say, um, love versatile. There, <laughs> there you go. You coined it. Another one. Um, uh, Lavert can give you minutes literally one through three. Uh, so Rubio is not going to have to be that first or second or maybe even third guy out there. But he can, I still believe, gives you a veteran leadership out there. I still feel like the the ability to play make is legit. And with a full offseason to work, I think he can give you a lot. Back to Craig Porter Jr. Um, I think he's on a two-way right now. So he's definitely going to get – he's going to see some time at the NBA level, which I absolutely love. Like I'm still trying to wonder how the hell this man went undrafted. Um, and it, just based off of what we saw in summer league, if he's able to carry that defensive tenacity over, if he's able to, you know, because there was a lot that, that he put on tape that you may not, that may not have shown up in the stat sheet. Um, although he did fill it up, um, the defensive tenacity that he showed out there, the willingness to go out and battle for rebounds as he did at the collegiate level. And then the ability to, to play make, cause he put a lot of guys in good positions. That's that's not a package all in one that you see a guy his age typically have coming into the league. And so you could definitely see the polish was there. Um, definitely helped that he that he played so long at the collegiate level. But I say all this to say, um, if he does see time, I would be I would be ecstatic, but I'm not going to be surprised if he doesn't. Um, just because of the 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 monumentous amounts of players ahead of him like that that's that's kind of what sucks like we want all these guys I, I know i can't be the only one Corey. we want all these guys to get a real opportunity but fortune unfortunately that's just usually not the case um they're 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 me, but the op gets no run <laughs> yeah. i just want that out there uh th- there could be one to two they get an opportunity but we just don't know who that'll be um, before we head out, we can you know kind of reel off a list of some of the, the other surprises that we got to saw uh, got to see. Pete Nance, did you like what you saw out of Pete Nance? Uh, the thing that stood out to me the most with Pete Nance was as visually unappealing as his shot is, it it felt yeah. pretty good. It 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 he's a good corner three shooter. Unfortunately, I think that release is slow enough to where his windows are going to get that are going to be a lot tighter. He's not going to be able to make those same shots because the release and the timing window is going to be so much tighter to where it won't necessarily work. I was kind of hoping we'd see more Nance-esque dunks. But energy-wise, he's definitely an interesting player. I think I would be interested. To, I don't. He's one of those players, though, 
where I don't know if I could pinpoint to you where I see him fitting on an NBA team just yet. I think that mm. might come with time. I, I hope he gets more run with the charge, but we'll see. But I I liked what he did. It's just one of those things where I, f- I feel like if you're going to be a project, I at least want one NBA level skill kind of already in your bag that you develop around. And I don't see that with Pete Nance. Dude shot like, uh, I want to say over 40%. Yeah, 42.9% from three-point range at Summer League. Um, he knocked down six threes. So about one one three a game, which <laughs> to me, that's that's perfectly fine. That's better than Isaiah Mobley did, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think he's on that Exhibit 10. I'm not quite certain of the terminology of that contract. Like, does that, I know that that means they can convert it. <laughs> I, I know no that means, <laughs> yeah. I know that means they can he they can convert him to a two way if they want to. Um, they can con- convert it into a standard contract too. But I just don't know what direction they in, will end up going in with him because they could enter they could eventually just release him outright. Um, he'll definitely get he could if the Cavs don't take him on to at least their G League team, he'll get signed by someone with the name value alone. Because yeah. it feels like, I mean, let's be honest, Leangelo Ball got passed around a few times, and that dude was not an NBA level player. And <laughs> I, I want him to succeed. Alone. All right, well, you and Lavar <laughs> <laughs> are hoping that that dude succeeds. I watched that Facebook live show, like uh, the Ball family, and Leangelo yeah. came off brain dead to me. So that dude is just not at that's all. That's harsh. <laughs> that, that, that's harsh. All right, let's cut to another player. <laughs> let's get past <laughs> Leangelo. Uh, last player that we'll uh, make a quick note of here before we head out, Corey. Um, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Sharif Cooper. Um, Sharif. I feel like in so many ways we want him to be successful, but he probably just won't get an opportunity with the Cavs. Nevertheless, did you like what you saw from him during summer league? Game one was great. Another one of those players where after game one, I'm like having to sit back on the couch and be like, Hmm, now now this is kind of interesting. But then like you kind of think about it and you're like, I kind of feel like the Cavs are in a position where they're deep enough where it's not like you want multiple versions of the same player. And Cooper is an excellent shooter, and he shot the leather off the ball in that first game. But then you watch him in the other games where he struggles, and he has vision, but you can tell he's still definitely a score-first mindset guard. And unfortunately for the Cavs, that's not what they need. I know that is what some other team out there needs. And I have no worries for Sharif's career that he won't get an NBA chance with a different team. I think it just became apparent last in this summer league that that team is not the Cavs. But if he was more certainly willing to uh, (laughs) play in the G League again, we'll strap him up next year and we'll see what you got, Sharif. Uh, just wanted to say we appreciate you tune in sports one. Uh, yeah, we were definitely debating about whether we were going to go live or just bail this one in and record it. Uh, that said back to Sharif, like I, like, I really want this guy to be successful. If any of you follow Steven, <laughs> Steven on Twitter out there, you'll know immediately who I'm talking about. Um, if you follow me, cause Steven usually, usually 
talks about Sharif Cooper at nauseum and his ability to play. But the one thing that I can say about this about this guy is like at six one, the opportunities for him to be able to actually see the court with the Cavs are slim to none to begin with. Like with the the smallest backcourt that we have in Darius and to a lesser extent Donovan, um, how many short guards do you actually want on your on your roster? Yeah, um, I think we kind of uh, hit our bill after, especially after you know signing Ty Jerome. Another stout, Rick. super tall point guard. <laughs> and, like, for real, like, it's a different story. Like, when you're – obviously, we just got done talking about Craig Porter Jr., who is only listed at 6'2", and maybe shorter than that, but he don't play that way. Um, Sharif Cooper has a very different play style. He's more so a scoring guard than anything else out there, and he doesn't – like, he, he, he can facilitate, he can play make, but you can definitely tell that is not what his game is geared toward. Uh, geared towards at this level right now. Um, unfortunately, I just don't see the opportunity being handed out to him. I do hope he lands with a squad that, you know, will end up eventually using his, his skill set, uh, you know, at their leisure. But I just don't see it happening with the Cavs. Um, he did have a damn good summer league, uh, a summer league though. <sighs> Corey. Um, a lot to look forward to, man. We still we haven't even hit to the, the dog days of the offseason yet. Um, we're we're still basking in the glory of the summer league championship. But if you had to grade the Cavs offseason thus far, what grade? Well, a letter grade, what would you throw on there? I give it a B plus. What would make it A? Uh a true small forward. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be nice. One that can start, not one that's <laughs> This guy could be the three. Anytime it starts with that sentence, I'm like, okay. So we're back to the Isaac Okoro discussion again. Hey, Let's do it. Don't start with you hate. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying I don't want Isaac to be it, but the common consensus with Isaac is he's too small to be the three. You're correct. He's too big to be the two. Yeah, he's not a true three. Like I've like I've long resigned myself to that. Yeah, uh, we know that, and we knew that you didn't when admit we drafted that in him. public. <laughs> <laughs> the Cavs do that when they drafted him. Like this, like they had to have known that. Um, I think that's a good stopping point for tonight. We still have so much more to look forward to this offseason. Training camp should be very interesting. Um, some name might come out of nowhere. You know, we we might get a, a surprise rotation player. Um, you know, come preseason time that will be gushing over. Maybe it's Craig Porter Jr. Maybe you never know. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Unbeknownst to Khalif. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that said, as we always tell you guys, you know how to reach out. <laughs> Am I gonna, I'm not really going to fuck this up. It's been so long, Corey. We haven't been live in so long that I've literally forgotten how to do this. Sorry, don't worry. We if you'd like to reach out to us, you can. <laughs> at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be added to the very, very vacant uh, It's Cavalier Aaron. Discord. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cavalier Discord chat. Uh, leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of that review to it's Cavalier53 at gmail.com, and we will send you an invite. That said, go Cavs and have a good night.